welcome to The Mason Jar here on the Searcy Institute Podcast Network. I'm David Kern. This week on the show, we have an interview that Cindy Rollins conducted recently with her old friend Don Duran and Cara Williams, who is the editor of the brand new Commonplace Quarterly, a Charlotte Mason-themed journal, which looks great and is going to be fantastic. As someone who loves print media of all kinds, I am very excited about this journal. Um, if you go over to commonplacequarterly.com, you can learn more about it. You can see some of the contributors, uh, including Cindy uh, and including Don. And you can also learn how you can pre-order volume one. Um, you can look at some of the, the images of some of the design and some of the things like that. I'm really impressed with what they're doing and cannot wait to read it. But before we get you over to that conversation between Cindy, Cara, and Don, I just need to say a quick word from our friends over at the Homegrown Preschooler where they are dedicated to providing books, curriculum, and educational tools for young learners. The latest brain research continues to confirm that beginning with a hands-on approach enables children to progress easily to more complex subject matter. So Homegrown gives you the tools to ensure that your child has a rich and enjoyable childhood while growing in knowledge and character. Their curriculum, A Year of Playing Skillfully, provides everything you need to offer your young learner a complete early childhood education. Your childhood will be invited to discover and experience on a daily basis, delivering the necessary foundation for lifelong learning. This pre-planned, wonder-based curriculum offers parents the opportunity to relax and enjoy those precious early years without compromising the quality of education your child will receive. If you want to learn more, you can head over to thehomegrownpreschooler.com. Again, that is thehomegrownpreschooler.com. My family uses uh, their materials, so I... uh, can read that copy on this show without any concerns. I have absolutely no qualms about promoting and talking up Homegrown Preschooler. Um, And most of you who listen know that I've got younger kids in that, you know, two through seven range. And um, they have uh, taken a lot of delight in the resources that Homegrown offers. So uh, I hope you'll check them out. Again, that's thehomegrownpreschooler.com. All right, let me get you right over then to Cindy's interview with Carl Williams and Don Duran about the new Commonplace Quarterly, a journal about Charlotte Mason. Here it is. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Mason Jar. We are here today with uh, Cara Williams and Don Duran, and we are going to have a roundtable discussion about the new Commonplace Quarterly. I know many of you have probably seen the um, Commonplace uh, in the last few weeks as they um, as they launch their, their 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 advertising and letting people know that this is this is coming, so um, I thought we would take a minute to get to know um, what what's going on with this new um, Charlotte Mason quarterly that um, and that we would um, just get to meet the people behind it and find out what's going on. So, um, first of all, I'd like to introduce you to Cara Williams. Uh, Cara, welcome to the Mason Jar. Hi, thank you. And Dawn Duran. Hi, Dawn. Hello. You're old old news here on the Mason Jar. Yeah. <laughs> if we don't if we don't have you as a guest, we try to mention you in, 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 uh, anyway. <laughs> but um, Cara, how did first of all, um, did you um, before we start talking about the commonplace quarterly, and is it it's just commonplace quarterly, there's no the on it, is that correct? Just commonplace, yes. Yes. Um, did how did you how did you hear about Charlotte Mason in the first place? I mean, what what is your family? Where where are you from? Just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I live in Tucson, Arizona, and I 
have been uh, married to my husband for 13 years, and we have five children. The oldest is nine, and uh, then we have an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, a three-year-old, and a baby that just turned one. Oh, fun. Stay busy. Yes. I found out about Charlotte Mason when my daughter was about three, and I was researching schools. At that time, I still thought that we would probably end up putting the kids in school, but my heart was really towards homeschooling. And as I was researching schools, I came across, I believe it was Ambleside International Schools. Yeah, where they had Schools that, International, yes. Yes, the they had school programs, and that sort of led me in to finding Ambleside Online and um that that was it for me. <laughs> yeah, once you dive down that, it's um, so beautiful. I know um, it's it's very uh, inspiring. So, so you started homeschooling your children, and you weren't expecting to do that. And then you you found the ideas of Charlotte Mason, and that kind of kept you on. Where in the world did this new project come from? This commonplace quarterly. Well, I think it was a sort of a slow process, you know, as life happens um, over several years in the back of my mind, I think it was just sort of always there that it would be so nice to have a magazine with evolving content uh, for Mason moms. But there's so much already out there um, to learn about the educational method. And so you know, it was just in the back of my mind as I was reading all the things that are already available. And it really wasn't until I began to learn more about the importance of the mom's personal growth that mm. the idea sparked into life. Um, because as I said, there is so much out there about the method. And yeah. I, I began to, to just really yearn for something more than just methodology. And, um, I, I wanted so badly to see personal growth in my own life and the things that I was beginning to really grasp and understand about the method in teaching my kids. Um, and I think, you know, when you begin to look for personal growth, you also sort of start to seek out mentorship. But mentorship is hard um, in circles like this where they're small and you don't necessarily know anybody who has yeah. the experience, you know, to be a mentor. And so it, it just, I remember one day sort of being in that life stage of trying to, to wanting to see additional growth and not really knowing how to go about that. And, um, flipping through a magazine as I was taking a break and just thinking, man, it would be nice <laughs> <laughs> if something like this magazine could be just for Charlotte Mason moms. And um, that was it. I remember I called Angela and said, Angela, I have this idea. I need to tell you about it before I don't. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, and it's kind of interesting to me to see the idea of magazines, um, come back around because in a way the internet has put that kind of permanent piece of 
equipment out, out. We, we don't it, it's just something that seemed obsolete and yet now people are turning around Cersei has their own magazine that they're putting out forma and then and the, the commonplace quarterly and we're so we're finding kind of a turn back towards something that we can hold in our hands and not that that's not just a uh, virtual Yes, absolutely. Well, and isn't there something so beautiful about holding something in your hands? <laughs> yes, and, and, and putting it on your coffee table, it looks so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Yes, and, I and think, this will be a thing of beauty. I'm sorry, Cara, to interrupt, oh, no, but please do. I just want to, to, to um, put my two cents in here on the vision of what Cara has created. It is going to be beautiful from the visuals, to the fonts, to the choices of papers, to the size, and to what you see in terms of the art and pictorial content, visual content in this magazine, it is going to be a thing of beauty for sure. Mm -hmm. So you, and you're, so what you're saying here, who is the audience for um, the, the CPQ, as you guys call it? <laughs> The magazine is going to really be geared towards moms, um, both moms as moms, um, but also moms as educators, understanding that homeschool moms are both things, not just one. And we want to value uh, both of those aspects of a homeschooling mom's life. And so it's going to be geared towards helping to educate um moms in different aspects of the Charlotte Mason method and to talk about some of the more just like technical aspects of what we need to wrap our minds around as we teach. And then also just to encourage moms from a place of, you know, I've been there. You're, it's, you know, high fives when things go great and big hugs when things are hard and <laughs> just, you know, that, that aspect of camaraderie um, that we all need as we're walking through our days um, of teaching our kids. So. so you've assembled quite a team of people from all aspects, really, uh, in, of the Charlotte Mason community. That was one thing that appealed to me, that it wasn't um, coming from one group or this group or that group, but, but you, were, you were looking at all of this and saying, you know, we want to have mentors, we want to have um, this, this kind of... Uh, of, of content in our magazine from all moms or all you know older moms from different different aspects of the Charlotte Mason community so in that aspect I really thought it, it's a very healing idea oh I certainly hope so you know I think the team came together very relationally and in so many ways it has become just bigger than me and something that is so beautiful and and better than anything I could have ever dreamed of on my own. It has just been a gift from the Lord to me. And I, I hope that readers are encouraged by the vast um, passions on our team and also by the just the way that the content can be curated when it's looked at through um, the eyes of so many different people. Yeah, I guess in this, um, I guess some of this um, visual um, riches, this, this, this richness of visual has come to us as we've 
like we are an Instagram kind of world and yet we've learned a lot about um, how to present content I think through you know people just amateurs getting on um, places like Instagram and learning how to make something appealing in, in a way so but you're bringing kind of all this expertise to the magazine from different areas now you have um from as far as older moms go i know you have uh, i'm going to be writing a column you have nancy kelly writing a column and um th- what i'm most excited about is i know that lynn bruce is also um going to be writing a a, a special sort of column um, for for the CPQ, um, I don't know if you want to talk about that at all. But I, Lynn is an Ambleside Online Advisory member, and and you guys have something special for her to do, kind of in the lines of what Charlotte Mason had done originally um, for her newsletter after after she was getting a little bit older, and other people had taken over. Yes, I'm so excited about Lynn Bruce's contribution to the magazine. I am just thrilled to have her on board, and we are going to keep the surprise um, what she is working on, but I hope that it will bring joy and just be a gift to readers as they open up the quarterly. Um, You mentioned a little bit about mentorship earlier, but having you and Nancy and Lynn on board is just so encouraging to me and I think something that will be invaluable to you know moms in the trenches who sometimes just want to be able to open up and read an encouraging word you know yes put their kids through and can speak from the other side and say it's really like this thing that seems so big to you it's it's going to be okay (laughs) right so I was kind of hoping um speaking of of your involvement in the magazine, if you would be willing to talk a little bit about um, just your piece of it and what you hope to provide to moms who read the magazine as you write your articles. Yeah, I, well, I've, I finished my first article and I'm I'm really excited about it. It's um, a good first, uh, you know, introduction and saying here's um, here's what I have to give um, because. We're, we're, I'm reach, we're reaching out to moms, all different kinds of moms, I would hope, young moms, um, older moms, we're, and we're all in uh, different seasons of life. And we all, um, um, one of the things I love about what you're saying is that um, I'm not e- even, even, I- I'm thankful to be teaching still. And that helps me tremendously, especially relating to the younger generation. But um, there is a sense where I'm not teaching my own children anymore. And it's just, uh, it, uh, it's a broken record here on the mason jar how how it's exciting it is to find out that I really don't have to let go of Charlotte Mason in any way. That just as Charlotte lived her life in a certain way as she got older, those of us who are growing older and have been a part of this method, um, very, you know, we're continuing to grow and learn in, in similar ways. Um, as we, as when we were teaching our children. So it sounds to me like this, um, this magazine is going to really feed off of that idea that not only are we continuing to learn about educational theory, but we're continuing to learn about the world and, and, and truth and, and knowledge. I, I love um, Charlotte's take on knowledge, that knowledge is real 
and we don't have to be afraid of it. And um, I, I think that's what drew me to the magazine. I, I want I, I saw how beautiful it was and I saw how substantive substantive it was. I'm sorry, I can't even say the word, but it didn't seem like it was just a pretty picture. It seemed like it was so much yeah. more than that. And yeah. so I was really, really happy, happy when I saw that. And I thought, yes, I do want to be a part of this. Absolutely. Can I can I jump in here? Oh, Carl? oh you jump in all the time, oh, Don. We want you Don, to you don't have to ask. <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing I love about this too. This is going to feed the mother's soul on so many levels, as Kara started to mention earlier. It is going to feel feed her spiritually. It is going to feed her need for personal growth in an educational sense. It is going to be inspiring in terms of ideas. It's going to be a feast for the mind as well as for the eyes, as well as for relationships, we hope. I, I think, you know, Cindy, last time I was on here with you, we talked a lot about the young Charlotte Mason moms in the community, and there's such a need for mentoring and true examples of, of, of living out the Charlotte Mason lifestyle and holding a torch almost. Um, those of you who have walked this path before for those of us coming up behind. And I think that this project offers so much for people in both places on their Charlotte Mason journey. And that, that is one feature I think that is really, really unique about this. It doesn't, as Tara said, just really target one audience. It really targets the entire Charlotte Mason community as a whole. And someone from every area of the Charlotte Mason community is going to find something in this quarterly that's going to speak to their soul. And it's going to be, I mean, I'm just over the moon thrilled. I, I, I still keep pinching myself that I get to be a part of such a wonderful thing. <laughs> yeah. And really it's something we have intentionally talked about as a team on a regular basis, how to make sure that when we are bringing articles and content to the magazine, that it is it doesn't just address a new mom or just address a mom who has high schoolers um, or that it doesn't forget one of the categories uh, i really hope that the magazine will meet a mom at every level um, because we are intentionally trying uh, to do that very thing yeah yeah so what is what is the tagline that you're using for the magazine i don't know if dawn you want to tell us about that Oh, I'd rather Kara tell us. Okay. All right. Kara, tell us. <laughs> you are so contrary. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the tagline is seeking to know, striving to grow. And it came from one of our contributors, Maria, shared with us that uh, Mason wrote a letter to all of the PNU students before their annual conference one year. And in that letter, she encouraged them to delight in their studies and their striving uh, to gain knowledge. But then she ended the letter with the encouragement to first and foremost, seek the kingdom of God. And mm. as she shared that with us, um, you know, it, it came out in just this sort of Voxer conversation, this big conversation with with all of us about what we wanted our tagline to be and how we really wanted it to meet the heart of what the magazine was really all about. And, you know, we realized this idea of seeking knowledge and striving towards growth, uh, as you alluded to earlier, Cindy, is something that is not just for 
the educational stages of our life, but for all of life. It's something that we never want to let go of and something that we want to impart to our children as they grow older. And so we really aim to echo the heart of that message in the work that we do with the magazine. And so we wanted um, to use that as our tagline in hopes that it will inspire us to just remain true to that as we continue to put out content. So how many people do you have collaborating on this project? We have 15 people. Wow. Okay. So at a time when we have so many resources available and kind of deluged with resources, um, what is going to be different about this, um, this resource? You know, one of the things that I'm so excited about with the magazine is that we, a section specific to keeping and, you know, keeping was a big piece of what Mason did in her own life. And she encouraged mm. students to keep track of what they were learning. And um, it also just harkens back to something that's just a little bit slower from a time where there wasn't so much fast paced internet resource available to people and it is a method of remembering that is a scene is really going to embrace it's actually where the commonplace name came from uh it's you know a play on words from the practice of commonplacing which is notebooking and then um, we just changed it to be a common place because we wanted it to feel like a common gathering place for moms. But the idea of commonplacing and notebooking um, what you're reading and what you're learning is something that is going to flow through the magazine. We really want moms to engage with the magazine's content itself, but then take what they're learning there and transfer it into a place, a notebook uh, that encourages them to continue to think on it more and there will be prompts and uh, discussion questions and just things to help the living ideas in the magazine really take root in mom's lives and continue to uh, move them forward in, in their own daily life, whatever that looks like, uh, through the use of notebooks. Right. Well, that is wonder. What a wonderful idea. And I, I don't think I fully understood all of that um, going into it. Um, but I, I just think that's a wonderful thing to have this idea of, like you said, remembrance and keeping. So um, to things that are so um, really uh, outside of our normal daily existence in a modern world where we're on the fast track to the future and um, and we don't have time some to, we don't feel like we have time to slow down and record and to keep track and, and to remember um, what what it is we're doing here and what, why we're here. So it, it's kind of a way to help us all just stop and slow down and get um, get some of these thoughts down, um, which which I find very refreshing in, in, in the fast paced world we live in. <laughs> I agree. I, I received a letter in the mail from a good friend that I haven't communicated with for years via letters. 
I received it out of the blue this week, and it was so refreshing to have something that is so foreign today, an actual letter addressed to me and in my friend's handwriting and signed with her name, um, as opposed to just shooting off an email or a text or a Voxer message. It's, it's really, really special. And so I am super excited about the keeping elements of um, Commonplace Quarterly and some of the things, some of the columns and and elements of the project that will promote things on that front. So I just think that's neat. Could we have a couple little hints about some of the sections that there will be in the in the magazine? Oh, absolutely. We have the magazine is going to be divided into four main sections. Uh, the first section is going to be sort of about education and the way that we uh, defined these in our own world <laughs> of creating the magazine. The, the first section is going to be called Educate, and it is going to contain living ideas for the mind. And there's going to be some Plutarch in there, and Don's going to talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to have some main articles that will be content specific for the magazine, but that will help moms learn about something in that section. And there's uh, an, an encouragement section, and that is where we will hear from you and from Nancy, and we will have uh, what I like to call our compendium piece in that section, and it is going to be a collaborative article that will have a, a theme. Like, for example, our theme for the first quarter is New Beginnings. And so the compendium piece for this particular quarter is going to contain six different articles from moms from different perspectives on how they came to faith in the CM method and seeing Charlotte mm -hmm. Mason's methods really come to fruition inside of their own personal homeschooling lives. And I think that being able to tackle a topic from different perspectives, from moms who have done it a long time and from moms who are maybe just switching from a different practice or from moms who live in the country and moms who live in big cities, you know, just we're really going to try for that compendium piece to do a full circle of the Charlotte mm -hmm. Mason community and try to tackle the same question from multiple viewpoints every quarter. And I think that that article, um, Every issue is going to be a lot of fun and, and very um, interesting for moms. And then, and then we have uh, the Inspire section. That's the next section. And it is going to have Lynn Seddon talking about nature study. And it is going to have uh, a bookstore article that I'm so excited about where we feature local bookstores from different communities and talk about oh, wow. how awesome they are. And I think that the Inspire section will get it will sort of ebb and flow depending on the issue, but it'll be stuff along there. We might throw in different things as the issues progress, but the, uh, the last section is a delight section and it is going to have, um, a funnies page and it's not necessarily going to be all funnies, but it's going to be anecdotal and just sort of lighthearted, uh, but also rich. We are going to, um, pull from, classic literature, just some lighthearted um, and encouraging thoughts and pieces of writing. 
And then we're also going to feature uh, narrations from both moms and kids. I have this dream <laughs> that I know there's mm. moms out there who write. And um, I just love the idea of having a section where we can be showcasing poetry and art and uh, the beauty that comes out of moms who are choosing to learn for a mm. lifetime. Also copies of pages from notebooks, just a real collection of sort of spreading the feast of knowledge and um, education. Wow. That sounds exciting. I like that part. <laughs> yeah, I was, I'm very excited about it. <laughs> We're also going to have a recitation section that I, I forgot to mention, and that will be in the Inspire section also. And we are going to um, be picking pieces uh, to encourage moms to do recitation in their own lives. And I'm excited about that. You know, we have in our local group, we have a uh, poetry in the park meeting, and it's one of my just absolute favorite things. And the kids get up and they recite. And um, in one of the times that we met, one of the moms got up and recited her poem after her daughter recited hers. And it was so incredibly inspirational to me. Mm -hmm. uh, we used to have older people, a couple older people would come to our recitations and the kids would be reciting. And sometimes these older people would get up and recite some of the things that they did. And we always had an open door policy. Uh, if you had recited, it doesn't matter um, how old you were, how young, you know, if you were two or if you were 82, um, if you were 42, we wanted, it really made it a much richer time when you had a variety of ages. I just love that. I think that's amazing. I want to do a poetry in the park. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great idea. Well, you, did, you just did, po didn't you just do a recitations at Arlington National Cemetery? I know. Oh, yeah, we did just do that. <laughs> but so, so let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Dawn, can you tell us a little bit about Plutarch, what you're going to be doing with Plutarch? Sure. I am yes. really excited that Kara reached out to me with her vision of um, helping people enjoy Plutarch because it's something that I've come to love and enjoy so much in the six or so years that I've been uh, embracing a Charlotte Mason uh, paradigm in our home. So in the earliest years of our nation's existence, for those of us who are Americans, Plutarch's Lives was the most frequently read book aside from the Bible. And today, in a time when the majority of Mer Americans are woefully ignorant regarding the nature of our republic, the contents of the Constitution, and the concepts of civic duty, we need the lessons of leadership, government, and morality on display in Plutarch's lives like at no other time. So the column that I'm going to be writing for each issue of Commonplace Quarterly for the first year will be focused on Plutarch. I'll discuss why it's important to study this Prince of Biographers, as referenced by Charlotte Mason, and offer suggestions and resources for making this important subject less intimidating and more approachable for homeschooling families. Wow. Well, I'm excited about that because I love Plutarch, but it is challenging. Even now, um, with my student, I find it uh, hard to approach it as uh, because he's um, he's not coming from a lot of this um, lifetime of uh, of reading 
like the King James Bible right. in itself just really helps approach Plutarch. And then Circe's actually also taking on, um, I don't but they can get rid of this if I shouldn't say it, but I, I mean, we're looking at having David Hicks um, offer, start offering um, um, sections of, of, of Plutarch's lives. Yeah. So re, 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 for, for modern, you know, in modern language that um, is understandable to to all of us. So, and and since it's David Hicks, it won't, we know it won't be dumbed down. <laughs> wow. So it will wow. still be very rich, um, but it will be accessible. So, so that goes along well with what you're doing. And I think um, if we could just, we just keep encouraging people to keep, keep going, you know, we're all being educated. Um, you know, we, we kind of grow into some of these things as we go. That's and if right. you miss it with your kids, you can do it for yourself and, right. and the benefit mm-hmm. will still be there. But I do want to, I do want to try and encourage parents to start them when Charlotte Mason did, um, if they're close to that time, Charlotte Mason started her students reading Plutarch's Lives and uh, in what would account to grade five for us. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. am, I am currently um, involved in a group where we have 17 students that join us for Plutarch on Friday mornings. And the kids age range in age from 10 up to 17. And I'm telling you, those 10-year-olds who have been raised on the books that we read, primarily through Ambleside Online and others, if people have come from other curriculums, the 10-year-olds knock the socks off. I mean, literally out of the park, their narrations and understanding of Plutarch compared to the three of us moms who are leading. We looked at them the first time like, wow, wow, they really get it. Because they have been raised on this rich literature that is not just rich in language, but the richness of ideas that they're used to extracting from the literature they've been exposed to since they were six years old. So that it's not nearly as intimidating to them as it is to us. That is true. That is, I can see that that would be true. Yeah. So, all right, I'm going to step off my... Step off my, you know, soapbox about Plutarch now. So carry but Don, on. <laughs> no, but I, I, I want you to talk a little bit more about the importance of a mom understanding who Plutarch is at, at an age where their kids aren't even maybe there yet. Because I think, okay. you know, one of the reasons why I put Plutarch in these initial quarters of the magazine is because that was such an eye-opening experience for me to walk through in my kid's third year as we were beginning to prepare for year four and introducing Plutarch is that I just didn't understand why he was important or who he was because I had never heard of him before. Sure. Okay. Okay. Yes. Very good. I'm going to reference a little bit then here, um, Cindy, one of the books I think you really love, which is Russell Kirk's The Roots of American Order. And Mm -hmm. I am going to speak about this as an American from an American perspective, because that is what I know. But I do want to say here that that's not necessarily how I'm going to write about Plutarch in the quarterly because we know that we have an international audience. In fact, one of the wonderful features about this project is that it is going to be shipping internationally without like a a significant, you know, it's not going to cost twice as much (laughs) um, as the magazine itself. So, but for now talking about it, why 
Plutarch is important to me as an American from my perspective and how I came to understand that. That's where I'm coming from now. So in the Roots of American Order, Russell Kirk takes us back to how our founding fathers really developed the um, our, the ideas that formed our nation and how they got the ideas that helped them design uh, and create, engineer our constitution. So through Plutarch, as I mentioned, was one of the most read books besides the Bible in early American or early America and through the lives of the noble Greeks, Grecians and Romans, which is Plutarch's collection of biographies that he is most known for, he came to influence American thought more, with the possible exception of Cicero, than any other classical writer did, according to Russell Kirk. And mm. arguably among the most influential to our founding fathers on the establishment of our Constitution was a Greek poet by the name of Solon. Um, he was responsible for the formation of order in the Greek Republic, and echoes of his ideas can be found in our United States Constitution. So uh, from uh, Charlotte Mason, used Plutarch not to teach history, but to teach citizenship. Mm-hmm. It is an, it's an important lesson in character study, in morality, and what Plutarch does is he highlights not just, it's not just um, a good story with a moral at the ending. He shows you all the dirty, all the ugly, and the good, and he asks you to be discriminating, to make decisions on your own as to how you feel about this person. I will insert one more personal example and then ask Kara if you want me to expound upon this any further. In the spring, in our Plutarch Club, when we had 15 or 16 kids, we were incorporating debate into our discussions of Plutarch. At uh, This is something that I started um, to do with the kids on the recommendation of my good friend, Amy Snell. And I am so just over the moon excited about how perfectly the study of debate and the study of Plutarch meld together so beautifully. But we were studying the life of Julius Caesar. And as you know, that's like a boy's dream, right? This mighty Roman leader who was in charge of armies and the soldiers were super loyal to him and he was very, very successful. Um, we, at the end of the, our time studying Julius Caesar, we had two girls and two boys who decided that they wanted to do a formal debate at one of our recitation events. And the, de- the resolution for this debate was going to be Julius Caesar was a good leader. And to my shock, the two boys in the debate, my son being one of those two boys, chose to represent, the, to argue the con side of that statement, meaning mm. they wanted to argue against him being a great leader. And I was thinking, wow, he was this brilliant military strategist. I would think that that's what the boys would focus on. But no, these two boys focused on all of his moral failings as to why he did not make a good political leader. Mm. And they knocked their arguments out of the park, quite frankly. Um, And it was just such a shock. And that goes along with Charlotte Mason's concept of you never know what a child is going to take from a reading. Yeah, I think we underestimate the value of honor in a boy's life. Yes. They they want... um, 
honor is just something you know we've lost obviously mm-hmm. the men <laughs> and, without chests and yes yeah. yes mm-hmm. so um that that is excellent that is excellent. and i found that with alex and andrew when i did plutarch with them um it was just so pertinent to i mean it was just almost like plutarch had was written from the news that we were watching yeah. every day at, at that time. And I'm sure it hasn't changed. You know, even last week I was thinking of Plutarch, like we all need to just go back and read a couple lives <laughs> and, and, and show a little bit on, you know, everybody having an opinion. So until yeah. after we've had, you know, we can think some old thoughts, not just some new thoughts. That's right. That's right. You know what we learned last week in, in reading the life of Cicero, that Cicero was the original trash talker. <laughs> he was. He intentionally put people down and pointed out their faults as a means of trying to elevate himself. And all I could think of was my husband on the basketball court when he's trying yeah. to get into people's heads. And that was what Cicero was doing on on the, the rostron where where the orators would argue and on the Senate floor. I just think that that's really remarkable. <laughs> Well, that that's awesome. I, we could almost, ha- and we definitely need to have a Plutarch. We we will have a Plutarch episode um, <laughs> eventually, and we'll 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 just put all the, our Plutarch thoughts in one place. But <laughs> but I don't want to I don't want to drag like this that. on too right. much because I would like people to. Um, so so the magazine is coming out January. Is that correct? That's right. It'll come out in January, and it'll come out then every quarter after that. Oh, every quarter. Mm-hmm. And if, if people are interested in getting them, where do they need to go right now? So right now they need to go to www.commonplacequarterly.com and you can do a pre-order there or you can click through the link on our Instagram account, which is Commonplace Quarterly as well. Okay. And that's the full word, yes. Commonplace Quarterly. Common. Okay. So, um, so you will have, and, and this this is available now. It's ready to be ordered, and it's uh, the first issue is in production. Is not not at the printers, but it's being assembled. Correct. And um, and the and, and anybody who's interested can can already order it right now. That's exciting. I'm I'm very very excited about this. Now I want to before we I let you two go. I I, I always like to ask uh, my guests what they are reading right now so i'll put you two on the spot well well before i put you on the spot and ask you that is there anything else that you wanted to say about the common place quarterly before we wrap it up i just want to say one thing before that people can order the quarterly now and yes they absolutely can but there's a deadline of december 1st because we need to yes. know how many magazines to have the publisher print so if you want to receive your copy in January, and we hope that you do, then you'll need to place your order by December 1st. Okay, good. Correct. So, Cara, was there anything else you wanted to say? No, I think just that we have been so encouraged by everybody's excitement about the magazine. Mm -hmm. And I just, if... If there's anything that people have questions about that they can feel free to go to the website and shoot us a message um, and let us know and we will be happy to answer questions. Um, Otherwise, we're just thrilled to be putting it together for people to read. I just can't wait for it to be in people's hands. 
I mean, I can't wait to see it, it too. So to end up here, what are you guys reading? Uh, Car? what are you reading right now? I am reading East of Eden for our our local homeschool group. We have a mom's night where we read books. And so that is our book of the month. And then I am also reading Surprised by Joy. Oh, two, two very deep books. <laughs> yes. Um, well, good. Those are excellent. My son recently asked me if we had East of Eden on the shelves and we, I couldn't find a copy right now, but, um, I I thought that was an interesting choice for, for him to pick. And it's good. It's a very, um, deep, very deep book. Um, Dawn, what about you? (laughs) So I can contrast that by saying that I've gone into the realm with a local friend of mine of young adult fiction and Uh (laughs) (laughs) recently finished the Bark of the Bog Owl trilogy by Jonathan Rogers. Well, then we will let you do that. (laughs) That's a great, great option. (laughs) It is a hoot. It is such a hoot. And Cindy, if you haven't read it yet, you would love it. Jonathan Rogers is a Georgia native, and he writes about the Fiji folk in this trilogy. And as you start to get more and more as you're reading it, you recognize that the Fijis are rednecks. And, but, you know, but he talks about them so respectfully. They're not like, in my mind, they're not being totally ridiculed. It's like, they're so endearing. So endearing. Anyway, we love, we love the Bark of the Bog Owl and um, I'm also reading um, The Personal Recollections of Joan of Arc by Mark Twain. Oh, yes. That's excellent. It's really I, good. It is very good. It, you, it's surprisingly good. Yes. Um, Just yes. completely out of the norm for what I anticipated from him, having finished uh, Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn with The Voice earlier this year, I was not ready for a non-satirical, um, historically relevant and accurate piece. And I'm really pleasantly surprised so far. Well, those are great, but all of you guys are reading some really good books. What so. about you? What are you reading? <laughs> oh, well, I'm right now I'm reading a book called Transcription by Kate Atkinson. I'm a kind of a Kate Atkinson fan, and um, she has a new novel out, and it is superb. Um, for all my complaining about um, new um, <laughs> novels, this one is excellent. And I don't I'm, know that author. I don't either. She, she has written a book called Life After Life, and if it's it's a book about a girl who continually relives her life um like each time it gets a little longer a little longer and a little longer and then she dies and somehow um it's 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 like a mental exercise and what if you could make adjustments as you went along and then start over (laughs) Uh, but it's i like i like that sort of thoughtful way of writing and um she writes in that way Mm -hmm. and um and this her newest book is not a disappointment at all so um well it has been very very nice to talk to you girls i'm we're we're all excited about the commonplace quarterly and um i can't wait to for people to get a hold of it So thank you very much, Kara and Dawn. Thanks for having us, Cindy. Cindy.